Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. Here we want to tell you how to maintain your optimal health, be well, and that key builds on keeping our immunity strong so that we can withstand any virus, any toxin, anything that comes our way. So our health depends on taking positive steps to being healthy and, you know, nutrition, etc. And also depends on avoiding toxins and if we're exposed to toxins to mitigate or minimize them. So we've discussed various toxins, glyphosate, uh, heavy metals, and we've discussed different toxins throughout this experience, this show. However, there's one toxin I'm particularly concerned about. It's ubiquitous everywhere. We can't hide from it no matter what we do, and that's called electromagnetic radiation. What is that? Is that the thing coming from our cell phone? Are our cell phones causing us health risks? Well, absolutely. There have been many, many studies Uh, along this way. I mean, Hardell in Sweden has shown that cell phone use uh, and uh, cordless phones is heavily correlated, if not causative, with glioblastomas and acoustic neuromas, both things you really don't want in your brain. Um, There's a national toxicology study. U.S., over 20 years, $20 million showed, hey, uh, cell phone is associated with glioblastomas, really nasty disease, and heart swanomas. Uh, Hugh Taylor and a guy, Suleiman Kaplan in Turkey, independently studied and show you put a cell phone on a pregnant abdomen of a rodent, and the offspring have brain damages, particularly in the hippocampus, which is where, you know, where the problems in Alzheimer's disease and cognitive impaired can start. So what is this? What's the Havana syndrome? I mean, I don't know why we can't say the Wuhan virus, but we can say the Havana syndrome, where people who worked in the embassies are having all sorts of difficulties, which they associate with some kind of electromagnetic or radiation fields. So to discuss this, we bring on an expert. We have Daniel DeBron. He's an internationally recognized expert in EMF radiation, EMF shielding and EMF-related health issues with special focus on the effect of exposure for mobile devices such as laptops, tablets, and cell phones. His concern regarding the health impact of EMF emissions grew over 30 years of his engineering experience in the telecommunications industry, where he held a variety of executive positions at SAJC, Telecordia, AT&T, and Bill Labs. He is the co-author of Radiation Nation, the fallout of modern technology, and he's a CEO of Defender Shield, the world leader in EMF radiation protective solutions. Oh, and if you want to hear more of him, he will be on the Silicon Valley Health Institute. Um, it'll be a live Zoom meeting. You can ask him questions yourself, and that will be October 27th, 10 a.m., Pacific Coast time. That's California time. And you can get information through uh, the website www period 
SVHI.com, although I have not put it on there yet. That will be forthcoming. So welcome, Daniel. We're glad to have you on the show. Dr. Susan, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm excited to chat today. I know you're passionate about toxins in our environment, and people don't realize the technologies we have around us are toxins. In fact, um, if you think about it, um, if you and I were in a classroom and we had on the right side a big 55-gallon drum of gas with volatile organic compounds being emitted into the room, and then on the other corner we had a welder welding steel and all the fumes coming up into the air, and you had a Wi-Fi in the back of the room, is there any difference in terms of toxicity? And the answer is no. They are a toxin. And in fact, the WHO uh, World Health Organization that characterizes it as a 2P carcinogenic. Uh, and so it's around us. It's pervasive. It's orders of magnitude times orders of magnitude more than 15 years ago. It's around us every day, and it does have an impact on our body. So, Dr. Susan, thanks so much for inviting me. I, I'm excited to chat about this. Well, we want to glean from your wisdom. So what is EMF radiation? Where does it come from? How does it affect us? So um, when, when you use a, a cell phone, you actually have uh, energy that's leaving the cell phone and connecting to a far-end cell tower. Uh, th this connection can be up to five miles, believe it or not. So uh, there's enough energy being released by the cell phone itself to make it to the cell tower to connect that uh, your, your phone call. Um, and when, when, it's, when it's being transmitted out of your cell phone, you want to think of it as, um, think of a, a, your finger, uh, and you have a little ball coming out of the top of your finger, and the little ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what is known as omnidirectional. The power that's coming out of that antenna is omnidirectional. It's going in all directions, and it's going up to five miles. Well, guess what? That's the same thing that happens to a Wi-Fi. When you have a Wi-Fi router in the room, it's transmitting, and it can go up to several couple couple thousand feet in some cases. And it's connected to a laptop in your lap, maybe, or, or a tablet in your hand. That connection is power coming out of these devices. So if you look 10 years or so ago, none of these devices were around us, and they certainly didn't bother our, uh, our, our bodies in any real way because it was all wired, typically. But it's only over the last 10 years or so that we have this pervasive explosion of devices that are close to our bodies, and it does affect our bodies. A quick, quick, a quick sort of summary of these kinds of things is it actually impacts the cell itself. It, it really does influence the behavior of the cell itself. You may, you may feel it as if it's a headache in your, in your head. Maybe your sleeping uh, is not quite right. Maybe you have foggy thinking in your brain. Maybe you have concussion-like symptoms um, that are bothering you. Um, neurological uh, or physiological impacts uh, could be occurring in, 
and particularly in the frontal lobe, as you mentioned before, about the, uh, uh, the cancers. So believe it or not, this transmission from a cell phone can influence and have, in some cases, pretty serious implications to your body. As you pointed out, it can become cancerous. Yeah, I have, uh, my understanding is that this uh, EMF, like glyphosate, can open up the blood-brain barrier, which means all sorts of things we don't want in our brain gets in there, opens up the gut where lining, which is uh, where healing starts and autoimmune disease start, in my opinion. It interferes with intercellular communication, um, perhaps through the calcium channels. I mean, and also Beverly Rubick's done some studies that if you look at healthy blood cells, and they're nice, round, bouncy, you put a cell phone in a backpack or at a person's feet, look at the blood shortly after, they're all crumpled up in what's called low. If your blood cells can't flow through your body to get to where they're needed, you're not getting the oxygen and things are going to be dying and challenged. So uh, it's, it looks like it's horrible. You're absolutely right. I mean, I love the fact that you referred to blood. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, the viscosity of the blood, the ability to flow through the vein becomes harder and harder. And as a result of that, Literally, the oxygen out of the red blood cells going to the various parts of the body are inhibited. So oxygenation um, it, it diminishes in, in the body. And to some people, you know, like when you go on a plane and you quickly fall asleep, um, the, the, some argue that that is uh, the impact of the Wi-Fi signal inside that room, and it's really putting you to sleep. Essentially, you're, it's a lack of oxygen to the brain. Uh, you mentioned um, the the, uh, the blood-brain barrier. Uh, the cell phone itself suppresses the blood-brain barrier. There's no question about that. And it impacts the immune. It suppresses immune. So what, is, what does that mean? Um, it means that your body's now weaker as a defense to the other toxins in the room. Um, you, you were right. Dr. Powell talked about uh, the calcium channel penetration where uh, the constant load against the cell membrane breaks down the membrane itself and there's a penetration um, and there's, there's mecha uh, mechanical chemical reactions and mutates and DNA damages the cell. So th that is clear evidence that Dr. Powell has developed and it's a very acceptable common knowledge in our space that there could be that kind of danger. But the kind of stuff that I sort of worry about, and, and probably you as well, is what does it do to the, the body itself if it's not getting to the state of, 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 a, of, of a cancer or a mutated cell? And those are the things I listed. Almost every one of those things I listed are biological impacts to the body, not thermal impacts. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, the standards for the communications in our network were, were developed over 30 years ago. And they only worried when they did those standards about the thermal impact. Why thermal? Well, as, as you know, a cell phone has a signal, a power level, and a frequency rate that is a microwave signal. 
And so when, when, when you have a, a piece of meat in a microwave oven, for example, you heat the water between the cells, the cells oscillate, they heat up and voila, your meat is cooked. Well, when they developed the standard over 30 years ago, they only concerned themselves about the biological impact. And they allow, based on the power levels of a cell phone, for the cell, the phone to, to uh, impact the, the, uh, the brain and the areas of the body that the cell phone touches to increase by two degrees. Um, sort of a side note about that. The, those standards were developed by the FCC using six-foot male models. Uh, those six-foot male models were, uh, they, they created a model uh, which was the sort of the standard approach with how they described the penetration and the heat uh, implications. It, it turns out that um, they allow a cell phone signal to heat up the area of the cell, uh, around the cell phone by two degrees but also allows the penetration by about one to two inches. Um, and it's the thermal. Well, Dr. Susan, that represents about 3% of the, uh, the users of cell phones. Women, children, um, the, the, the population that use cell phones today, vastly different than it was 30 years ago. In fact, very few of us had cell phones at that time. All of a sudden, we're all using it, and... That same signal that the standard allows today by the FCC actually penetrates a five-year-old child's head by as much as fully through the head. And as I pointed out earlier, I'm more worried about the biological, not the thermal. Yeah, it's pretty serious. And another it is thing, very the FCC does not seem to want to update its uh, regulations. Studies done by people in the industry, uh, at least two-thirds of them come out saying, eh, no problem. Independent researchers find the opposite. But what I find appalling is in 1996, there was a law passed that you could not stop placement of a cell tower in any location for health or environmental reasons. That means they don't right. give a clue about what it does to our health. They don't care what it does. And I've gone to town meetings to try to stop it. And the industry is there in force with their with their $1,000 suit lawyers. And uh, right. nobody's listening. Well, well I, I, I don't know if you uh, have heard this, uh, 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 Dr. Sharon. Um, um, who is it? Uh, Kennedy. Kennedy Jr. And uh, Deborah Davis. Uh, they they brought the FCC um, to court, and the FCC lost a couple of months ago. But please explain yeah, so that I, knows more. Yeah, so what, what happened was um, uh, there was an approval of the standard by the FCC sometime last year, uh, early early last year, and. And uh, there were scientific, the scientific community went crazy and said, look, there is a preponderance of evidence that clearly states a causal effect of a cell phone to the body, human body. And they completely ignored the, the, uh, the, the contributions made by the, uh, the scientific community. And so they brought it to a court of appeals. And, and uh, I think it was a, month, a few months ago, 
the Court of Appeals uh, concluded that the FCC did not look at the current data, and they were violating the law because they had a fiduciary obligation to ensure that there was safety using various parts of the federal government to ensure that safety for the users. The court concluded that they had not met that obligation, and it currently is now sort of in limbo because FCC hasn't responded, but uh, they, if they don't, are obligated to sort of review the standards again for not only the, the thermal, but the biological impact. So that's still a story at play, but but I'm very thankful for the work so many scientists have done to sort of address this problem of, we know it's a problem, but no one's doing anything about it. Well, what is, what is this 5G? I understand 5G that they're pushing upon us resonates at many different frequencies, including the frequency of DNA. I've heard that military has researched for decades on which frequencies cause which disease. I mean, anybody in the audience <laughs> can look up active denial, and there's a frequency that will make your skin burn and will disperse crowds in, in a second. Um, so what has there been research on what frequencies cause which diseases? You know, it's funny. Let's. This is a great discussion. You know, you referred to the Havana syndrome, right? And um, anybody who's been around this business for any period of time knows that warfare over the last thirty years has included transmissions at power levels that can be disruptive to a human, and it's used in war, and it's very focused directional signals to. To the, in fact, probably over 10 years ago, I wrote an article about guns in the classroom. Uh, Barry Trowell, who is a physicist at a UK, was, was one of the design uh, experts uh, for the uh, UK Army. And his job was to determine the power levels and the frequencies that are used. And by the way, it's, it's all under 10 gigahertz that those kinds of things happen, like 2, 2.4 gigahertz a standard Wi-Fi signal was being used in war, but higher power levels. And what, and what would happen is there was a Savannah syndrome. What does that mean? It disrupts the cells of the brain. It, it, it can influence foggy thinking, all those kinds of stuff that, you know, essentially I just mentioned before. Um, and you're right. Uh, active denial. Let's talk about that. Active denial has been around for a while. And where, when you and I were in school, and we were protesting what we would get a bunch of hoses hosing us down and would break up as a result of the being hosed down. Well, that's what active denial is. But rather than using water, they use a 90 gigahertz RF signal, a radio frequency signal, a microwave signal, in this case, a millimeter signal. And what does it do? It actually goes towards the human body. And you have, like, your sweat glands are like coils, and they act as an antenna to the 90 gigahertz. And what does that do? It heats the, 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 the surface of the skin. And then rather than now, rather than then when we would get wet, now you get hot and you run. But the active denial has been used in warfare and, and crowd control for the last five, ten years. Um, I also want to mention... 
something I, I didn't perform, which is uh, with Ollie, uh, Ollie Johansson, Dr. Ollie Johansson, he's been talking about immune and its suppression. Um, and one of the things they talk about is how the bugs in the stomach like RF signals. And so there's a lot of research that talks about disrupting the bio biome of the of the uh, of the uh, the gut. And as you know, it affects melatonin, and so it disrupts sleep. Um, it's also true that you may not have heard that people who are electric hypersensitive typically have a DEBC, which is a bacteria. I mean, a virus that is elevated. And so we know that the RF signals that are being considered in the in the in the 5G space uh, are potentially similar in their impact. Well, we know at 20 gigahertz, which is um, a, a slightly lower than the 90 gigahertz we spoke about a bit ago, uh, bugs love it. So you have elevation of excess, accelerated growth of both the bacteria and the virus in the stomach. So there has not been much study on 5G, but we do know there's a little bit, and some of it's pretty disconcerting. Let, let's talk about what the 5G really is. Um, when, when you have a cell phone, it, it's roughly one gigahertz. It's like uh, a hertz is one cycle in one second, uh, from one point to another, the, the peak of the signal is one cycle, one second. That's a hertz. A gigahertz is one billion cycles per second. So when you have a cell phone at one gigahertz, you have one billion cycles going past a point every second. That's a whole lot of speed. They move at light, uh, light speed, basically. Um, and uh, Wi-Fi uses 2.4 gigahertz, which is like two and a half, uh, a little over two times faster. And up to five gigahertz, and now the new uh, Wi-Fi is up to six. So most of the transmission stuff we've seen in our environment up to today, really, has been under 10 gigahertz. So if someone asks me, what do we think the problem is with uh, 4G and below, I often refer to the fact that we know a whole lot. It's not so good. We really know the impact of the body. And the new 5G that everyone hears about largely is below the 10 gigahertz space. Except what the new stuff's coming out with the small cell sites, the little little towers in front of the homes that everyone's beginning to worry about, is that they're at roughly 23 gigahertz, 23 billion cycles per second, and 60, typically 60 billion cycles per second. The problem with that is those signals have never been in our environment before, and those are the kinds of transmissions that are going to be in front of our home. They're in front of our homes because those speeds don't go very far. In fact, with the standards being used today, they can only go about 750 feet. So for every 750 feet in front of your house, uh, down your street, you're going to have a small cell site. 
Now, that sounds um, maybe disconcerting to some, but let's think about another aspect of it. When, when you're near a cell tower, you're, you're three times more likely to have cancer if you're a thousand feet, a uh, thousand yards uh, uh, to that cell tower. There's been several studies that talk about uh, the, the elevated uh, multiples of cancers related to that closeness to those RF signals. Um, those cell towers use about uh, 40 to 60 watts transmission. That, 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 that's the power. It's a 40 to 60 power level. Um, and those are pretty far away from your body, obviously, most of the time. And if you stay outside a 1,000 feet of it, you're, or a 1,000 yards, you're pretty safe. Uh, well, it turns out that they're going to be 40 to 120 watts on these small cell sites. So it's not just there's a frequency rate that's never been in our environment. The power levels associated with they're almost orders of magnitude from everything we've had up to this point. And that's why science is concerned. There's really more and more concern about this new RF signal, this new millimeter frequency rate that's going to impact us. And we really don't know how because there's no been real studies on it. I've heard that towers that have 5G also have 4G, 3G, and all these others on them as well. Is that true? Oh, that's always been true. Yeah, that's always been true. And actually, that's a very good point, Dr. Susan, right? It, it's not like all of a sudden all these 4G and below cell towers are going to disappear. They're all going to be there. And what they're doing is they're adding the 600 megahertz less than a thousand gigahertz antennas on these existing towers and putting them on new towers. So that's all added. And then of course, what's additionally added is the small cell site uh, towers that didn't exist. And all of a sudden uh, the ambient, um, what do I mean by ambient? It's the toxic level. The the toxic level that was very, very low in RF now is all all of a sudden 10, 15, 20 times higher than it was um, uh, only five years ago. I'll give you an example. Um, A cell phone is 1.6 watts. That's the power level, 1.6 watts. If you have that cell tower in front of your, your, your head, and you're using it, that's when it's potentially most dangerous. When you you move it one to uh, uh, two feet away from your head, 80% of the danger is gone by four foot 98. So the farther away you are, the better off you are at 1.6 watts. Well, when you're in a classroom, in a modern classroom that has Wi-Fi and the repeaters, the Wi-Fi repeaters, those are transmitting where the ambient, the room measurement of the power level is dot five watts. So uh, dot five watts is something that's a hundred times higher than it's ever been in the classroom. And so dot five watts, a constant load for over a seven, eight hour period, we really sort of don't understand the true impact of that yet. But that's what's going on in our environment, that these toxins are becoming more and more elevated in the environments we live at, 
and now all of a sudden the body doesn't know what to do with this this ambient uh, that's growing around us. Um, I'll give you a point of interest, by the way, um, about power levels. If you had that one dot six watch from a cell phone, um, and you use a Bluetooth. People think that Bluetooth is so much safer. Well, a Bluetooth is about dot three watts. It's about five times less power level than a cell phone. I've actually seen research studies that talk about mutated frontal lobe cells at dot one watt. That's 15 times less the power level. And um, that can mutate a cell. And so when people talk about uh, you know, lower levels are better. They don't understand science. Science does not define power levels of a signal and its implications to the human body. Um, and we still are trying to learn more about that, of course. But the reality of it is, dot one watch in some research that I've looked at has shown that it can mutate the frontal lobe cell. Can't 5G be used to spy on us? Even if you're in a dark room totally with just one little ray of light coming in, can't they spy on everything you're doing in real time? Um, the, 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 de the definition of 5G is the Internet of Things. Uh, it is to be able to communicate with any and all communication devices that we are all currently in a connect with or that we want to in a connect with. I often use the the uh, example where, you know, we want to check to see if there's milk in the refrigerator, so I use my cell phone to check, which, of course, I would never do. So there's, a, there's an argument that says we're, we're going to, as consumers, be demanding more and more of our network, and 5G is about interconnecting all of those things. Um, can it be used to monitor our environment? Um, maybe. It depends on, like when you turn your uh, cell phone on uh, airplane mode, you haven't stopped transmission, right? There are applications that are behind the primary applications that are looking for data, and they're communicating. So when you're in an a, a airplane mode, you're not necessarily quiet. And so there are potentials where 5G networks will have a connection path from one device to another and have that streamline to occur instantly, which would mean it may be influential in being used as a device that monitors the, not only the network itself, but the, the individual who use it. What if you turn the cell phone off? Good. That's the best way to do it, right? When it's off, you're good. Uh, it is off, typically. It's not operating in any way. There's no power that's being consumed um, and typically no applications in the background that are operating. So you're pretty safe. Now, I've heard various experts say that the military has studied which frequencies give which disease. Have you heard anything about that or found it in your travels? No question about it. When I wrote the, the article about uh, uh, guns in the classroom, I was talking about 2.4 gigahertz being used in warfare at amplitudes of power levels that are much higher than a, a six watts of a Wi-Fi. Um, and um, we, uh, um, 
Barry Trowell, the, the fellow I mentioned before, his expertise was looking at power levels and frequency rates that were unique in creating very specific kind of problems in the human body. And so I know from some of the work I've done that is, that is an exacting science, and it's been used in warfare. And, and honestly, that, that's what the Savannah Syndrome was all about. That's what they literally did. They know that they can uh, influence the frontal lobe and, and create um, um, neurological implications to the brain by using a, a power level of rather than 1.6 watts, they put 20 watts, 30 watts, constantly for one hour. And that duration and that frequency rate and the time uh, is what creates what they know is the result of what they're looking for. So well, I, used I believe work, that. I used to work for the, in the foreign, I used to work in the foreign service for the embassies overseas. So that's a story kind of close to my heart. Uh, what oh, yeah. kind of disease? I mean, are these brain changes permanent? Because what I read or something is that it causes something similar to a traumatic brain injury, which can have serious long-term effects. So what kind of long-term effects and can it cause specific diseases such as, boom, I want to give you a heart attack. Boom. I want to give you a stroke. I mean, is there any validity to that? Um, they really do know the power levels and the frequency rates and durations that will impact certain body parts. The brain, obviously, is the most primary target there is. And um, the question about it's being permanent or temporary, um, I don't know if anybody really knows the answer because it's not really. The fact that they, they, they define that Havana syndrome as a recent observation is bizarre because people in the industry knew that this was used in warfare. And it was used in, in the Cold War for years. And so um, I know for sure that it is often just temporary for short duration. But the more it's uh, in place in the environment you're living in, the worse it gets and harder and harder and harder for the body recovery, uh, recover from it. And in fact, uh, Dr. Susan, you know that if you're electric hypersensitive, um, you may just get a headache every so often, um, and you may have a little bit of problem sleeping. Um, those typically are, uh, are temporary. Uh, but I know from some of the clinics I work with that they can be so debilitating that it can disrupt your life to the extent where you're disabled. I knew a guy who went into one clinic. He was heavily exposed to RF signals. Uh, over a two or three year period of time. And he was brought in the clinic in a wheelchair. It was from electric hypo, electromagnetic radiation. Um, and it took the clinic quite a while to sort of help them recover from the environment th that they were exposed to and bring resilience back to their lives. It took them actually a few years to do it. I saw a documentary, Chinese Gulag, where the Wiggins were monitored, every facial expression, every word was monitored, and if they said something that whoever didn't like, they ended up in re-education camps. Is 5G the mechanism to do that? Um, 
No, I don't think so. But 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 you 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 you're touching on a subject which is pretty interesting. You asked me before about you know the implications similar to the Havana uh, syndrome. Well, I know uh, and have almost firsthand knowledge of some frequency rates being used in some theaters, war theaters, in which suggested messaging was being sent. And that suggested messaging was effective. I don't know at at what rate it was effective, 50% of the time, 5%, I don't know. But I do know that it was something that was used in some of the theaters in recent years. I I don't believe 5G is that. Um, it, it It would require much more end skill, uh, program skill, within the electronics to do that. Uh, none of those kinds of things I don't believe exist today, and it'll be quite some time. In the future, maybe they may be able to do it. I, 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 I'm not sure, but right now, it's very unlikely to be true. Okay. Well, maybe we can uh, get back to what helps our listeners more. Like, well, should we be concerned with baby monitors, microwave ovens, uh, uh, nearby cell towers, and how we can mitigate the effects. For example, one thing I understand is that <clears throat> it is worse when you're in an enclosed metal object, such as a car, elevator, train, maybe plane, because it just bounces around with your head as the you know, main antenna. And also it's worse when you're going from cell tower to cell tower because the signal gets weak and then strong and then weak and then strong. And it's these radical changes that are the most jarring to the system. So what should the listener be concerned with and how can he mitigate the effects? Okay, so um, uh, let me talk a little bit about the latter uh, issue you were just chatting about. The reality of it is when you have one bar on your cell phone, that means it's a weak signal to the cell phone. What the cell phone will do is modulate the power level higher so they can compensate for that weak signal and they make an assumption they can't get back to the tower unless they do. So that changes you were talking about are the modulations that are being uh, 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 identified by the cell phone itself saying I got to be stronger. Strongest, strongest signals are not as good as weaker signals, I guess the implication is. But um, so... When it's really low, some people won't use a cell phone because they know it's the power level is in. When you're in a car, it's having difficulty finding a cell tower. And when it does, it modulates high. And that's what happens. And that's why there's the dangers. Not only uh, is it um, bouncing inside the car itself, but it's also trying to find the far end. And the way they do it is by increasing the power. So here's some rules of thumb. When... when, when you want to control your environment as much as you can. And what are the things you can do? Um, uh, in the case of a baby monitor, for example, if you choose to use the baby monitor, the distance of that device from the child becomes critically important. You do not want it uh, one foot away from the child's head because you have a constant transmitted 2.4 gigahertz signal being transmitted 
omnidirectionally right at the child. Um, if you take that same electronics and you put it on the other side of the room, 10 foot or more away, they're relatively harmless at that point. You can still hear the child, but that distance was your friend. In general, it's always true that um, if you can move devices, electronic devices away from you, greater than four foot away, you tend to be safer the farther you are with it. Um, but, but in some ways, you're actually better off if on a cell phone, when you have a cell phone, you have a, a, a cell tower connection, you have a Wi-Fi connection, and you have a Bluetooth connection. You have three transmitters operating all the time. I, I refer to that as uh, bees in the room. Uh, one bee won't kill you, a thousand will. Um, and so the more transmitters you have in your local environment, the worse it is for you. Do you really need all those, cell t- uh, those, those, those transmitters uh, on the cell phone? The answer is no. I turn all of them off except my cell tower connection. And Dr. Sharon, I move it away from me, 10 foot farther away from me. I don't put it near me at, a, at all. Just that simple, uh, you know, exercise of um, reducing that exposure. If you use a cell phone for one minute a day, you don't have to worry about any long-term impact. If you use it heavily for 10 times uh, for 10 years, heavily, you're three times more likely to have frontal lobe cancer. So it's, it's a matter of what the amount of time you use it. If it's small durations, you're safe. Um, if you're going to use it for longer periods of time, I wouldn't suggest you put it to your head. I would try to find other ways, put it in your hand, put it on speakerphone, maybe even a wired uh, earphone connection, earbud connections. Stuff that takes those technologies away from you is always a good thing. Um, it also true is like if, if, if you have the opportunity to use a laptop and rather than use a Wi-Fi, use an Ethernet connection, that's great because actually reception is better and uh, you've eliminated that 1B in the room by turning that Wi-Fi transmitter off. So you want to turn stuff off that you're not using. When you're using it, you want to make sure that it's away from you when you're not using it, and when you're using it, that you keep it short time durations. If you're going to use it for longer periods of time, you need to find ways of mitigating the potential exposures and the impact to your body. So what about if you have it on speakerphone and you keep it about two feet away from your head? Is that minimal damage? Yes. There's no question about it. At that point, 80%, uh, Dr. Sharon, is gone. The danger is gone simply by moving it by that two, two foot. Um, 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 so, yes, distance is your friend. Let's, let's talk about the bedroom. That's where um, I'm sure you've um, coached your, uh, your listening audience that that's the sanctuary, and that's where you have to remove the toxins and be very diligent about it. Um, you do not want a cell phone at your nightstand. There's no reason for you to have a telephone on your nightstand. When you have it on there, it's disrupting your sleeping pattern. There's no question about it. Um, If you have even, for that matter, uh, a tablet and you're reading at night um, before you go to bed, um, 
you are literally having blue blue light enter into your eye and disrupting the creation of the melatonin for you to sleep. So if you want to go to bed at 11 o'clock and you read up to 11 o'clock, you're going to have a problem going to sleep because there's a little piece of protein in the back of the eye, the cryptochrome protein that is the little switch that turns the melatonin on, and you're not allowing that switch to be turned on because the eye still thinks it's in daylight. So you really need to put discipline around your bedroom environment, remove all those devices, and you'll sleep better. It literally is true. You'll sleep better. I was I'd on a podcast. make a comment here. Is it sleep is when you detox, when your lymphatic system gets rid of the toxins in the brain, and you just kind of... We can withstand some toxins, you know, I mean, you know, there's a hormetic effect, a little bit of toxins, good, but we're getting so overwhelmed in our toxic soup, sleep is a time, it's very important, that's sacred, that's what we need to detox. Now, concerning the blue light, uh, that is true, it uh, ma- makes it hard to turn on the melatonin, which means your cortisol, which disrupts sleep, is high. There are blue light blockers that you can get from various places that you wear the night and uh so to mitigate that so that could help with sleep with people if you wear these blue light blockers for a few hours before bed another thing is i've heard that there are wireless uh, um earphones uh that sounds like even better because won't the electrical wire in a wired earphone be an issue it turns out uh the uh, uh, there's a good, better, and best. Um, if you move it away from your uh, your head when you're using it, uh, that is really good. Um, slightly better is where you've moved the cell phone a bit farther away and you have a, a wire that comes to a set of earbuds. But when you have those earbuds on, there is electrical current and RF running through those wires around your head. So it's better than a cell phone sitting on top of your head, and it's, uh, but it's not quite the best. As you were just pointing out, you can get earbuds that are wired halfway, and then they are converted to an acoustical connection where it's only air tubes that go to the head, and you're eliminating all electronics towards the head, and that's, of course, the best. And I do recommend that for those who who like to use, um, particularly more heavy users, cell phones. Tell us about the devices you developed that will mitigate um, the effects of the EMF that we're constantly exposed to. And tell me about other devices and how they work. Dr. Susan, as you may remember, uh, years ago, uh, my sons were visiting me and um, they had their laptops on their lap. And one thing we haven't talked about is after about three or four hours, there's a level of immobility of up to 25% of the male sperm. And female gentile is also impacted with those extended exposures. And um, my wife thought that that wasn't good for grandchildren. And I, I mentioned to her, that's absolutely not true. The power levels are too low. At that point, I was strictly engineered at that point. And I, I sort of said, well, let me go check. And what I found out was, even back then, it was clear that exposures for RF signals to the human body, particularly the soft tissue, there was, there was impact, and it was fairly understood. So the, what I did was I, um, I created um, 
a, a device, a shield, that prevented the omnidirectional signal from going into the groin. And um, that was where I started. And since that point, uh, my, my organization is concentrated on building technology that shields the dangers of the devices we have around us for laptops, cell phones, tablets, uh, blankets, uh, pregnant women. Uh, we have belly uh, protection for women. The, we have a whole array of those kinds of products. What's most recently interesting is, oh, probably two or three years ago, I actually started the development program to develop shielding for 5G. I can actually shield up to 90 gigahertz now with the technologies that we developed. So even if you evolve to technologies that include the higher millimeter waves for 5G, we now have technologies to shield that. My, my, my opinion is that, like, you control your own environment. And there are things you can do to mitigate exposures, reduce those exposures, not totally eliminate them, but there's actions you can take. If, if time and distance doesn't help you, uh, there are some technologies out there to help mitigate and reduce those risks as well. And that's sort of what I've done over the last years. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so, okay, so these are basically like Faraday cages that they block the transmission of signals so it provides some protection to us humans. Yep, that's not what I did. That's what that's all we do. And, and by the way, uh, as you also may remember, I, I have whole sections of, of uh, uh, library information for anybody who likes to learn about uh, the, uh, the technologies that are around us and what we know about scientifically about the implications to the human body and what it is really that we're talking about. I have five pages that, that describes millimeter waves so people can come to our, our website and they can actually see what it is and what it's not. Okay. Um, is there still some controversy in discussing the EMF health effects? I mean, there are various studies. Uh, are people trying to discredit those? Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. I am so tired. Look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a scientist, right? And so for me, it's not a, an emotional observation. For me, it's looking at what the facts are. And there are thousands of well-documented studies that have correlated uh, links uh, to exposures from cell phones to, to cancers and all sorts of other things. That's somewhat indisputable. The controversy is when someone argues that there is no data. And the fact is, there is huge amount of data. You may want to debate it from a scientific perspective, but you can't say it doesn't exist. Dr. Powell, we talked about him. He does great work. He, did, he described the actual mechanical breakdown of a cell under, um, uh, under uh, a, a, a threatened condition. And it's science. It's, it's not, it's a, he's a biochemist. He's, he's not a, a, a storyteller. And, and so um, there is controversy. We have a several trillion dollar industry that talks about there's little or no concerns whatsoever. And then we have these scientific communities that are not funded by those groups. And the controversy lies because the dichotomy of both are different. 
And you really, it really is something that you need to spend time trying to investigate because, um, as you know, um, if you don't agree fully on either side, just being slightly conservative makes some sense. Just being aware of the environment and then controlling that environment, particularly if you have children in your family, makes good sense. Um, and the debate uh, can go on and, and the legislation can go on, but the reality of it is the environment you're in is the one you want to try to be protected, particularly in your home. It's something you got to be aware of. Okay. Why is the government not listening to us? Not listening to us with the current health situation. It just seems uh, that science, they're just saying, they're just uh, censoring everything. Why are they not listening? Uh, I'm- I'm, I'm telling, so I'll tell you a story, right? I was in the telecom, as, as you maybe remember, and I, I wrote standards for the, for the Bell system, and I, I tested electronics for the Bell system. So I had a lot, a lot of experience in this stuff. And Dr. Susan, do you know, I didn't know that there was that kind of relationship with um, the potential. I was worried about electronics interfering with other electronics. I never worried about electronics interfering with the human. It was like an engineering approach. Unfortunately, we are coming to an end. So any final words? And what is your website so people can learn more? My website is uh, DefenderShield.com. That's DefenderShield.com. And my, my final words are, you... You are the architect of your own destiny. You are the one who needs to make sure that your environment, your particularly home environment, that you control as as clean as all as many toxins as as you can make it. That's the gas can in the one corner, the welding in the other corner, or your Wi-Fi. You got to be aware of all the potential toxins in your house. Well, there you have so, it, folks. So, do your own research. Share it with others. Share with your doctor. Make sure you ask your doctor for any advice before embarking on any journey. And above all, be well. We got the power to change the world. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.